Hello and welcome to the 172nd edition of the Guna Podcast. This is your host, Kevin Witcher, and we're recording this on the Tuesday evening after Arsenal's victory over Manchester United. The team play Ron in the second leg of the Europa League on Thursday, and then we will not see them play for over a fortnight. I'll introduce the panel so we can get into the chat about recent events and what we can expect for the remainder of the season. First up, our only panellist who has actually appeared on the podcast before, and a very familiar voice to our regular listeners, currently on a campaign to recruit Patreon subscribers for the magazine he edits, The Hampstead Village Voice. He publishes six editions a year, just like the Guna. Actually, no, it's four. Four a year? Yeah. Ah, okay. Not, I'm lazy. <laughs> well, we take a bit of credit because when he first planned doing the mag many years ago, yours truly gave him a crash course in page design. Quite how much benefit that had is debatable, but the voice continues to this day regardless. It's hello again to Mr Mustafa Goldstein. Hello. Next, an authority on Arsenal's finances, who I've been wanting to get onto the podcast for a long time. A former board member of the Arsenal Supporters Trust, he predicted Arsenal's most recent profit figures to within £1 million, which gained kudos from the guru of financial bloggers Swiss Ramble himself. He doesn't mince his words, but we're sure he'll stay on the right side of a libel law this evening while speaking a lot of sense. It's a warm welcome to Mr Simon Hill. Evening. And last, but by no means least, another new voice. As we were struggling to raise a quorum this evening from our normal ranks, when we sent our email to contributors preparing for the next issue of the Guna, we added a request for anyone who could join the panel at short notice. This sometime contributor said he was able to make it, so for breaking bad fans out there, it's a case of better call Saul. I haven't heard that one before. Yeah, I'm sure you haven't. He's the only panellist <laughs> drinking alcohol this evening, but your host is keeping him company on that score. What's that? Oh. One. <laughs> it's a pleasure <laughs> to say good evening to Mr Saul Lippens. Thank you very much, Kevin. It's good to be here. Right, gentlemen. Well, it's been a fairly enjoyable weekend. Oh. For Arsenal fans, um, were you optimistic before they asked the Man United game? You no, I wasn't actually. I, 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 I was, uh, I was doing the I'll settle for a draw thing quietly, and yet there was that. Of course, there's that, there's always that thing, isn't there, before the game where you think, oh God, you know they're on form and we're not. But it's Arsenal, Man United. It's the same with Arsenal, Tottenham. You know. Um, I wasn't convinced that we were going to do it, and yet there's that little thing. I remember going to watch Arsenal v Palmer in the final in Copenhagen, thinking we haven't got a hope in hell. There's that kind of tearing between, uh, you know, uh, we're going to do it and we can't do it, but we might just do it. And uh, yeah, But anyway, no, I wasn't optimistic. Uh, once we'd settled into the game, though, um, we seemed to look pretty like we had them in our pocket. Um, and of course, even with four minutes to go, two nil up, you're still thinking, but what if someone goes down in the box or something? You know, it's Man United. You know, the, the horror of horrors. But yeah, um, hey, happy days. What can I say? Someone else take over. You're Man United. Yeah, I mean, the joy of beating the Manx. It certainly hasn't been a good fixture for us traditionally, going back literally more than a decade comfortably. Um, obviously. 
couple of years ago, we finally saw Arsene's first win over Mourinho, I think, in quite um, a 2-0 that was a bit of a non-event, because as I recall, I think Mourinho was definitely heavily concentrated on the Europa League at the time. And even the season after that, we played quite well, but we ended up still losing 3-1 quite badly because we bossed the game and went 2-0 behind. So yeah, it's very much the kind of fixture where you need to get comfortably into the five minutes we had of injury time before you mm. start thinking, yeah, even we can't screw this up from here. Mm. <laughs> we were a bit lucky when we saw them. I'll tell you where I'm coming from. Is after France, I thought we were fucked. You know, they've won. We fell apart after the week, after Spurs as well. On top of that, I thought, oh, crumbs, they're just gonna like do us like they always do. But um, yeah, we were, you know, Lukaku hit the bar. Yeah, it's margins. But having said that, we did actually play a decent game against Spurs. And in France, the problem was we had a player sent off and collapsed. So well, we looked completely. I thought lightweight in France, and I thought we looked. I mean, we looked, I, thought, I thought we were awful in France, um, and yet, funnily enough, against Man United, we were doing things where I was tearing my hair out. Although I didn't, I wasn't that worried once the game was in progress. Even though, for example, um, you know, Lacazette would get the ball and look really confident on it, and would beat a couple of players, and. Once again, the final ball. So we do seem to dawdle on it. Uh, Shaka was doing it a lot. Um, we do dawdle when, when there's a perfectly good pass on. Uh, and that, that infuriates me. I think that just needs to be tidied up a little bit. Just that, that boom, 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 you know, not sort of dawdling. Um, do you think we dawdled um, against United? I didn't. Um, no. Points we did in, in midfield. There were, there were one or two points where there was one point Lacazette did this great thing. He got past two or three of their players. And I think it was either Aubameyang or someone out on the right, and he could have just passed it to him and, he, and, and then lost the ball. And I just, you know, it, things like that, just sort of simple things. Um, I think we, ha- we, we got the rub of the green a bit. Uh, and, and we were good, don't get me wrong. I thought it was some great defending going on. Um, Leno, again, had a brilliant game. Um, uh, and and I... I was really impressed with Socrates and Kalazanac again. I just think that they're really. Good. It's good to have a couple of real big, strong boys who just sort of don't take any shit from anyone. And yes, they, you know there will be times, but Kalazanac's runs down the left as well, and his his keenness to run on the ball and and get involved um, is great. You know. Uh, what did you think when you I, saw the lineup? No, I was really impressed actually. I thought I thought we might have a chance. I thought wow. As, yeah. as simply as that because I think we got into a, a pattern of thinking that they're as tactically variable as Emery has shown himself to be um, there are certain ways that he's going to play and shift it around depending whether we're at home or away it seemed that we'd settled into a pattern of Uzi would play some games, Ramsey would play others maybe the away ones and in that particular combination maybe Aubameyang would play uh, when uh, when this would did and uh, Lacazette with Ramsey, but to see them all chucked into the same starting lineup was both a question of, hey, why the hell not? Why can't we do this? Torreira is suspended. We've got injury problems. Let's the best see form, what happens. The best form of defence is attack. And yeah, absolutely. And yet at the same time, with the back three that we had, um, um, our setup at the back with, without Mustafi, but still with three genuine centre backs, and with therefore both Kalasnach and Maitland Niles, who I thought, by the way, had probably his best game 
in an Arsenal shirt um, as, as proper genuine wing-backs either side of um, Shaka and Ramsey, why didn't we think of this before? Because after all, when uh, Wenger had finally uh, shifted to a back three a couple of years ago, um, that set up with, um, with Shaka and Ramsey essentially in the centre of a 3-4-3, 3-4-2-1, um, proved to be the basis of, well, certainly our run to the... Um, to, to our third FA Cup in four years and uh, a couple of great performances against City and Chelsea. Yep. So um, it's good to see that Emery is not, is not just that purely um, defensively, purely tacti- tactically minded coach. This is absolutely another swing to his bow and there, there are any number of ways to, um, to, to skin the cat of even the, the best teams, which mm. is exactly what we were unable to do in the latter stages of Arsene's reign. Mm. Well, I love the fact that you just had such a strong front four. You know, I just loved it that you, you had, you know, to see Ramsey and Ozil, Lacazette and Aubameyang, you just think, well, we've, there's got to be goals coming from here somewhere. And, and part of me thinks, well, why don't we do that? Why don't we do that more often? I mean, I'd like to see, I'd like to see that lineup. I think that's our strongest team against anyone. And if you keep that together. And yes, you, you know, you might, there might be times where it doesn't come off or it doesn't work, whatever, but if, that, if you stick with the same group of players who are on the pitch or, and play together, you know, they're going to start telexing each other passes and knowing what they're doing before they do it, and they're going to get an understanding. Yes, but, but um, I know Emery, going, unfortunately. Emery is a rotation man. Yeah. And presumably it's based on physical factors. Mm. Um, do you actually think he's going to start playing the same team all of a sudden, or he's going to continue? Well, you might see this as a template that works, you know, um, in certain situations anyway, or, or most. Um, you know, but, uh, why not? Why look? Tinkering's all nice and fine. Rotations all nice and fine. A little, a little bit here and there, but that, that sort of changing a whole team, you know, from one week to the next. Sure, in a different competition like the Europa League, you know, you, you can, you can. Alter things or the FA Cup, but I think if you're in a league campaign, you want to get your your best eleven out there and, and get some consistency. That's how I think. I mean, listen, I'm not a football manager, but I mean, I I think for me, we're still definitely going to see a continuation of the horses for courses policy. It's just very exciting for me that there there, there is this new approach. He's he's perfectly happy to go all out attack. If uh, I'm sure he wouldn't have done that at Old Trafford, for instance. But well, he didn't do it at Wembley against Spurs, did he? Um, absolutely not. And his lineup, yeah, I, I, I was as you know, I wouldn't quite want to say disgusted, but you know, politely disappointed by that lineup as, as I was excited. If because of which, slightly which, uh, which players? Which players do you think he, he, he picked which he shouldn't have at Wembley? Um, I think it was just disappointing to see so many of our best players left on the bench. I mean, it was good that he played um, the, um, that he played Ramsey, but to see um, yeah, Iwobi in, uh, in and Aubameyang out, there was a certain sense of what exactly is, is his game plan here. Um, well, presumably it, it, was, too... it was partially defensive. But well, he starts Iwobi nearly all the time. Well, he, 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 is... I, I think there's a perception that Aubameyang doesn't do as much defensive work as Iwobi would. And I yeah. think that's why Aubameyang well, seems Absolutely. to be, he, he seems to be. I mean, the look on his face when he went to take the penalty against Tottenham, and it, you know, 
it wasn't a great penalty. Um, and well, it would have, it would have if the keeper had gone the other way. I mean, that's the thing about well, that start. Yeah, I, I mean, it, th- was the penalty against Man United you see a bad his penalty? Well, yes, I think it was. Exactly. You see his penalties, that's and they're all down it. the middle, just left or well, right. It, the easiest place for a keeper to get it. I mean, I hate to say it, but Harry Kane knows how to take a penalty. Crack it in, mm-hmm. one foot off the post, keeper can't get to it. I mean, it, that's, that's all you've got. You're a footballer, you can do that. You know, it's not... It's it's not it's not it's, a, that's a crap. It's like two, he gets gets two out of three penalties. Mm. Yeah, which is good but not great in general. Aubameyang for me at the moment has to prove himself a bit because I think Lacazette's going up, going up, going up the scale. He's looking more confident. I think maybe he's just lacking confidence. He always looks like he's larking about and playing and, and, and messing about in training and celebrating and all that. Save your celebration till after you've scored a goal. And, and, and it just annoys me a bit to see them doing all this high-fiving and training and stuff. I want to see that after a goal. You know, uh, not, it, it seems to me like you're, you're, you're using up your you know, magic juice. <laughs> did, you, did you not even appreciate earlier in the season when um, they had what I thought was quite a nice handshake celebration? Oh, and it was, quite, it was very after much a goal. Awesome. It yeah. was like... As we always used to say, back in the day, supposedly, you know, all, all, all these newfangled celebrations are, are, are a bit too much. Mm. But that's it's fine, it's it's fine if you're playing well. It wasn't, it wasn't like Deli Alley and Song at, at Spurs doing that. Isn't it an indication no. of team uh, They genuinely spirit. like each other, which I think is, that's, that's is a good fine. sign. Yeah, that's all um, fine and nice. It's just when you see a Bamiang playing not particularly... <coughs> I, I don't think he played particularly well against United. It was quite invisible. And he wasn't that great. He can disappear mm. on the pitch a bit for me uh, and, okay look is he getting the service and, but sometimes like he was through for example at one point he had the ball and the first touch isn't great or something maybe it's confidence you know um, but he's, he's a long way off you know uh, being an Henri or a right for me I think his style of play when he isn't scoring um, doesn't necessarily lend himself to out and out popularity with the fans even well in contrast, say to Lacazette, because Lacazette is so obvious with his yeah. physical effort all around the pitch. Yeah. It's obvious that Apparently he's a great finisher and a link, and a very talented link player who could even play number ten um, in, in in the right circumstances. Whereas Aubameyang does, he, he, his his style is based on drifting beyond the last man, trying to beat the offside trap. Um, that. When that it comes off, off it is, is, is absolutely wonderful, yeah. as you say. When it comes off, but it can be harder flitty, to warm. Flitty, and it? you don't want. In the North London derby, as you said, that is not the kind of penalty you want. You want that. We hate to say it, but we want the kind of penalty that Harry Kane scored. You yeah. absolutely twat it, it as hard as you yeah. can into the, into the top corner. Let's not or try to play corner, mind yeah. games with the goalkeeper. I'm going to go that way and make you think I'm doing that. That I'm thinking whatever. Yeah. Mind you, having said that, what the. The, what was that top? Was it for Tongan? It was the player who was six feet in or something. How that penalty wasn't taken again? Mm. Um, because of course he was. You know, yeah. Bamiang had a tap in. If he, if if for top, was it for Tongan? It was. Yeah, it was. It was, it was for Tongan. If he'd have been, you know, if he hadn't encroached, uh, and how the ref didn't see that, I don't know. But uh, there were so many things wrong with those. With those, well, that's at least three things wrong with the two penalties right there. Yeah, it was dreadful. Neither of them should have been given. One was offside. The other was was <coughs> nothing really. And then the encroachment on top. Of that. And yeah, is, what would have happened if Mikatorian was fit? Is he the penalty taker normally? No, I mean, it's just a selection. He, the has been, he has been maybe our standout player for the last three or four weeks. And so. he, he was yeah. definitely injured. Because oh, I, he, I, he I didn't. Wasn't anyway, he wasn't on the. He wasn't in the bench. He, he was. He was sitting behind the bench, oh, as like you know, he was physically at, at the game. 
But I wondered. I, I just he's, assumed it yeah, was rotation. No, he, he's, he, um, he's, uh, I think we've got four players out injured at the moment, as I understand it. The three long-term, Baron Welbeck. He is injured. And, um, Did he go off for the previous game? He, he should, should be back right for the next game, basically. Yeah, he finished he's it right back. He played the whole game, didn't he? Yeah. The selection probably was decided like, quite late in the day. I mean, the, I think the thing with Emery is like no one knows, none of the pundits, no one's got a clue what he's going to do next. <laughs> yes. no, but I think but it was nice that he did something brave yeah. and I mean, went for it. I think it was but quite intentional to... of Emery to, to pick that front, mm. go with that front four, if you like, or, mm. you know, two, two. And, 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 and with the wing backs. And I, I, I think he. he Looked at Solskjaer, he looked at Man United, he looked at that setup and the, 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 how buoyant they are, and he thought, that, let's put some big guns up. Where are, they vulnerable? Think Where are they vulnerable? Yeah. Okay. Yes. I mean, we, we do agree that there does seem to be a greater team spirit this season. Oh, yeah. Now, what is that down to? Because players get on or they don't. What real influence should the manager have in that? Yeah, much. I think it's the players themselves, isn't it? Because Gelney, we had a lot of chat last night from uh, the French guy about Gelney and how Gelney, in his opinion, he's been a friend, he's been writing his notes for years. He said, this guy is just, he's, re- he's completely changed since he's been made captain. He said, I'm, I'm absolutely gobsmacked at the change in the man because he's such a quiet, shy, retiring guy. And he said, there he was giving speeches in, 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 you know, during, after the Spurs game, saying, guys, don't let your heads go down. You know, we were brilliant, blah, blah, blah. Socrates next to him. I mean, that fist pump and that little cameo with, with, um, with Maitland-Niles after it. You know, there's a little bit of Leno in there, but that's just adding to it. But it's always at that core, isn't it? At the, normally at the back in the centre. You know, mm. That's normally where you get most of your team spirit from traditionally and, and we're getting yeah. it from it then I think now I think you could maybe say there's potentially a big plus side to the sort of new democratic approach of Emery's not only having a, a different tactical approach to, to every individual game but the fact that the rules are, are genuinely the same for everyone there, there are no teachers pets anymore no um no, no special treatment for different players. And once, once it's shown to be as true as it can possibly be, I mean, I think we may come onto this later, but perhaps it is literally true that with the Uzi situation, he simply wants to make it absolutely clear that everyone is going to be treated absolutely the same way. Mm. And maybe, just maybe, it isn't true that he's being frozen out or that he's in, under instructions to freeze this player out from the board. Well, he looked pretty board. happy, also, didn't he? But if it, uh, we, we haven't had any... Indication for, or, or nothing is leaked out from the rest of the squad, or you know, but his body language coming off the pitch and his, his general, you know, and it was like a little pat on the back from Emery yeah. when he went off. And and Ozil, Ozil's not spitting his dummy out, having been left out quite a lot, which I thought he would. I thought he'd start getting grumpy because he was being left out so long. And actually, he's sort of saying, well, no, it's you know, all for one and one for all. It's, it's very Victoria Concordia Crescent. And it? maybe, just maybe, all the players are as happy as you could expect with yeah. that. And it is um, having well, reputedly, having a the, the, effect the, the big influence on the selection is what has hap- does happen in training in the days leading up to the game. Mm. Um, just, just to clarify, uh, Simon earlier referred to. Uh, Julian Laurence, the French journalist who addressed the Arsenal Supporters Trust meeting last night, 
as the journalist that uh, knows Koscielny well and writes some programme notes uh, with him. So um, it's uh, he also, I think, mentioned the training as, as the determining factor yep. in the team selection. So um, well, they're happy campers, you know what I mean. And, and away, well, it's interesting though. Back what I said about you know them, them messing about in training. It's fine to mess about in training a bit. Of course, it is. That's all right, and that's good. Good for morale. Uh, it's just it's just when you see that and then you see but you just see I mean players muck about in training anyway yeah. it's just they decide to put out the images of them doing that yeah the, the, yeah. the vibe yeah. that we were getting was that what was leaking from Baldy was was it serious yeah it's, it's, training is completely and utterly different to the way it used to be in every aspect mm-hmm. um yeah. Well, that's not a bad levels. thing, is it? I, I think we, yeah. we've reached a stale mate with, like, stale being the word. With <laughs> it's hard on the pitch. There is a perception from pundits that the Emirates is more raucous this season than it has been for a few years. <laughs> well, that's what I'm asking. <laughs> because I wouldn't call it raucous, exactly. Possibly there's been, it's gone from sort of four to five on the... Right. level. So um, that's just basically... Have they replayed the tapes of the Man City game? Yeah. And how the, how the crowd was after that? Was that you mean the very first game of the season? Yeah. 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 Um, was it that... Marcus, was it? No, I mean, we had a great game against Spurs, we had a great game against Chelsea, we had a great game against United. Was it going to be bloody Marcus? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bloody Marcus when we murdered we Batty as well, 3-0. I mean, yeah, there were things... And, are you saying we only sing when we're winning? <laughs> <laughs> so a yeah. bit of a bit of a <laughs> yeah, basically. But we well, always have, really. I mean, do know, we do we feel with the hybrid? Everyone does. Is, yeah. is this really. season more engaging, interesting, dramatic? Yeah. You, well, new is the word, I suppose. You don't know because exactly what's we're going actually happen. competing for the same thing we always used to, which is, as Simon referred to before we start recording, the Arsene Wenger Cup. You know, we are going for fourth place, and we are getting excited about it now. That's because we're but things, things are genuinely more unpredictable. Because I did, um, I had a listen to the previous podcast to at least get a vague feel of the way you guys do things, and it was interesting to see that you had or at least before, before you recorded, had done um, a broad sort of... Uh, well, a, a survey of everyone's... Where people were likely where, to where finish. Where we were likely to finish yeah. and with how many points. Yeah. And the results were, this is a month ago, yeah. get this, that we would get 70 to 71 points mm-hmm. and that we would clearly finish in sixth place mm-hmm. behind um, United in fourth and Chelsea in fifth. Yeah. Um, now that was recorded of, just of, after the defeats to West Ham and Liverpool, the oh, draw at Brighton. It was oh, a bad yeah. month. Let's be clear, we've, we've had a, a far more solid month since then. We've actually, but if that prediction is right, yes, that means we're going to take ten or eleven points from our last eight games, and even for the most pessimistically inclined among us, you'd have to you'd have to hope that we do rather better than that. We've won, particularly given what looks like not the most intimidating one. Since losing at West Ham, Arsenal in the league have had six wins, one draw and a defeat. The defeat was to Man City, the draw was against Spurs, the two away games against top six opposition. Um, but I think when those predictions were made, I think the idea of getting four points from Tottenham and Man United was well, not seen as likely. Go back to that West Ham game, because... Like, I know Ozil and Ramsey weren't playing. I can obviously vividly remember that. I'm pretty sure that Aubameyang and Lacazette didn't start. 
together. I think just one did from memory. I'm pretty sure we had the horrendous triumph at Bulls starting together of Guendouzi, Jacko and... Horrendous. Because it's just... It's, it's not an inspiring midfield. A little really triangle of parties in the semicircle to each other. And yes. um, I think, I, I don't know, I'm just like throwing it out there a bit. It's like, what's changed? With a selection, basically. Yeah. Well, I think Emery's got, look, he, he's new in the job. He's just arrived. You know, he's, he's still got to work out. Well, he's played every team once now. Yeah, but what so I'm saying is... So he's now playing them a second time. He's not going to get every team, like West Ham, for example. He probably underestimated West Ham away, maybe. You know, whereas, you know, obviously with Man United, he thought, right, OK, let's, let's go, let's push it up and let's go for it. You know, it, you've got to forgive him in the first season. He's got to be able to make a few mistakes and pick a few wrong teams and whatever to find out, you know, what's right and what works. So, he's, you know, he's, he's learning. Um, well, we are 12 points better off this season. Right, well, than after He's exceeding expectations. 30 games last yeah. season. We were in six a year ago. We're obviously in fourth now. So that is progress, isn't it? There's no... December and January represented a bit of a trough. Well, people then were saying, this is no different. Yeah, I was going to say, wholesale, I mean, all the bloggers were at him after the West Ham game. Wheels wheels are coming off was was pretty much the uh, the heading of the last podcast. I think everyone wrote him off after West Ham, Mm -hmm. to be blunt. So it's been, to me, it's, it's been quite a dramatic reversal. I think there's just a feeling... Particularly when you have a manager like this, where, in a very obvious sense, you win some and you lose some, the, the, the variability, the unpredictability, the adaptability, all these things are good and exciting when you're winning, or at least when you go on something like that unbeaten run of, I think it was 22 games that you had. But when you keep chopping and changing and putting out the same sort of uninspiring, unconvincing lineups in, in midfield and attack, and your, your defence is held together with, with sticking plaster, and you're just coming up with completely drab, uncreative performances, you think, what are the pluses here? Yes. And it's very easy to come to conclusion quite quickly, but once you prove capable once again of, 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 of putting, putting is out everything. performances like in the first North London derby, in the second one, which was, was almost as good, although we were unfortunate in it, and the one on Sunday, even though, you know, you chuck in fiascos like the one in, in Rennes last week, then... It took a long time to get the to having this journey and stop parties together, didn't it? Yes. In sense, yeah. uh, we had to tolerate Mustafi floating around there. Mm-hmm. Well, Holding was yeah. in there for a while. I mean, before yes. he was good with back. He was good with Socrates, wasn't he? And then <coughs> ACL to... Particularly in defence. The, the injuries on, on top of the clear sort of rejuvenation that, that the defence requires haven't helped us one little bit. I'm, I'm, not, sure. I'm just, I'm just thinking wrong. about Unai Emery... Uh, I was just thinking about his uh, his English seemed to be a bit better at, on match of the day after Man United. I he won. <laughs> <laughs> he was air. Well, you know, we impose ourselves air. You know, Miss Jones. Uh, so I still think of him as Rigsby um, when I see him. But he's he's, uh, <laughs> he's he's. I like the way he says. It's uh, actually Manuel in Faulty Towers. I think no, you'll oh, find. That's funny because everyone thinks he's someone else. Because there was someone the other day. The people I was watching the match with the other day, they were they were going, "Oh, it's definitely Alan Partridge." I thought Alan Partridge. Like, <laughs> We've heard it all. I think now. Leonard Rossiter. He's a bit more it's like. Is it? He's a bit about him. It's definitely Miss Jones. You know. <laughs> well, I 
I think we impose ourselves on Miss Jones. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Never mind. Oh, oh, well, let's let's that. let's talk about it's the entertainment part of the show. <laughs> let's talk about um, Boo Boys because we oh. do have them. We do have them. Fans do get on certain players' backs, um, and we had an idiot run on the pitch as well, didn't we? Well, that's another thing, yeah. but. Uh, do we think the criticism of, for example, Alex Awobi is justified? No. Well, I think you could criticise any player, but, but you know, uh, uh, sort of sitting at, look, I've sat with you for loads of matches, Kevin, I'll go on about one player or the other, and Steve goes on about one player or the other, and everyone's got their kind of, you know... Bet the, noir. Their bets noir, the, the player of the... Or the, several. The, or several sometimes, yeah. I mean, Shaka's someone, I've fucking been, I've been, you know... He's not my favourite player. He is now because he just scored a sort of freak wind <laughs> goal against Man United. But but um, you know the amount of errors. I mean, I've, I've had goes at Ramsey. I've had goes at God knows. You know, there, there are moments you have goes at players and, and they have bad patches, and you get irritated as a fan and frustrated, so you get angry. Mm. But booing uh, an Arsenal player. That's that not. That's not. No, it's more. It's it? just and people are down on him. There's, there's also a distinction maybe worth making between um, the player and booing the selection because a lot of people yes. probably it won't be has been, uh, and I think it, in some stages this season in particular clearly improved from from, from previous season when he was maybe ch- um, chucked in too many games too soon. Um, he was very impressive for a while and then just. Look fairly average, and at that kind of age, he's he's, he's going to be consistent. He's twenty-two. Yeah, he's getting to the kind of age so where we can certainly expect more consistency. From yes, him. I think he takes too many. Is he going to be that great anyway? Yeah. And should we be clearly playing him when we've got people like Mr. Rosen on the bench? That's, well, that's it's possible thing, yeah. that some people are frustrated more with that than you know disgusted with the player. Well, is he supposed is... to be a world beater? I don't know, but he's at the very least a useful squad player who's still young. So. But the irony of that is, you you sometimes get Carl Jenkinson on the pitch, Mm. who you would argue Mm. is inferior to someone who's been left out, but the the crowd will get behind him. They will forgive him. They will forgive him. But he is the dream of every every Arsenal fan, living the dream, not the most talented, and he gets to play for the club he's always supported. I think it's also, it's also, it's it's a given that Carl Jenkins, I think it's a given that It would have been a cup game. Also, Carl Jenkins' Jenkins position, right, is that, you know, he's a defender, it's a given that he's a bit shit, right? So it's not like, you know, as a Wobi, like he was good in the World Cup, and he was good. Was he? Yeah, he was quite good. He had moments. I, I seem to remember anyway. I think, oh, God, that's good. You know, he looked a bit flash at times. And, and his body language, he looks very nervous. He looks a bit... Yeah. And as you said, the, the ball bounces off him and he's, he's, he's sort of... It's like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I've got the ball. I've got the ball. That's his body language. And certainly a situation like the goal we conceded in the opening minutes against... Um uh, the Etihad doesn't, doesn't really help. He needs electrodes on him, and every time he takes more than two touches, he goes. No, I don't think he needs. No, he has moments like that. I'm not sure how. I think he needs to relax a little bit, and well, maybe it might just be. Look, I don't think quite a few of our players are. I would. I've you know. I've I've said before. I've sort of walked away when we've lost or or drawn, and thought we're actually not. We're not sort of. Like, well, they're not a lot of world class players. Nick Steiner. I mean, well, exactly. Lich Steiner, Mustafi. We're not a team. Shaka. I mean, they're not world class players. But if Emery gets them together as a team, 
you know, I mean, people used to go on about the Beatles not being great musicians, technically, but they were a great fucking team and they worked and boom, what a result, you know. So you can be a, an all right uh, set of individuals, like not, not everyone can be Dennis Bergkamp or Tony Adams or whatever. Greater right? than the sum of its parts. That's it, the greater than the sum of its parts. And I think there's <laughs> an could get that going, you get a good team spirit going and, and you could, you could, that can be people, you know. Mm-hmm. With Mustafi in it? Maybe not with Mustafi. <laughs> <laughs> with there sure other somewhere. particular... Oh, put him up front for headers. <laughs> were there other boo boys that, that you had in mind in particular? Well, Mustafi, mm. possibly justified. Jacker, I've been mentioned. Um, it was people, a horlicks. That's the thing with Jacker, isn't it? Are they booing them when they're on well, the Well, boo board? boys is a more of a generic term. It's someone who gets the... Do you mean uh, internet abuse? The bark from the crowd. Like John Samuels used to get... Uh, oh, yeah. You or know, Sammy Nelson. Or, or Ibuwe. Yeah. Yeah. Sammy alone. Yeah. Yeah. But there are times where... Well, I was there when he dropped his knickers. Mm. And you'll never forget that. Well, he didn't drop his knickers, actually. He dropped his shorts. He kept shorts. his knickers on. Thank yeah. God, he spared us that. All right. Well, uh, moving on to uh, less salacious matters. Um, Simon, this one's for you, actually. And it's um, from uh, our Twitter request for topics. And it's from uh, the Highbury Librarian. And he asks, how will the role of the Arsenal Supporters Trust change as a result of the club being taken into private ownership? Will it have access to the information it needs? Will it have a forum to hold the leaders to account? Now, you are still a member of a trust. I know you are no longer on the actual board of directors, but... Um, Dan, does that mean you're not going to let me cop out and plead the fifth because I'm not on the you're board You're not, anymore? because I, you only resigned <laughs> very recently. Um, but no, I mean, no, tell us about the trust going forward. Okay. Well, um, in terms of the financial reviews that we do, um, the level of detail in the accounts is still pretty good. Um, enough for me to be able to do the review that I just did, including be brave enough to put a forecast down for what this year's number is going to be like and how the club stands. So, so the integrity of that is still there. It's just that we will be writing it in March or sorry, the end of end of February of the following season. So just two months from the end of the season, you'll be finding out about what happened all that time ago last year, which will mean Swiss Rambles' wonderful big pieces will be very out of date. Do you know what I mean? It's like every, everyone's analysis of finances are going to be... And like, previously you were able to write them in October? October. I'm a fiscal, oh, it's September, I'm a fiscal numbskull. Don't even look at me because I don't... That's <laughs> why I didn't ask you. <laughs> no, I don't really know. So, so it's a big difference. September, March, you know, basically six, six months. And when the seasons only nine months. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's very out of date. All this information, if you only look at what's happened in the past, it's hopelessly out of date. So it's no, no, no good for telling you. And you've already had the summer transfer window, so you've done your business. So the numbers could potentially be rubbish unless you're brave enough to say... But actually, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen this year because... Based on past seasons and past on... Based knowledge on current about deals. what drives the numbers and actually... Yeah. Um, and you've made predictions about sure. this particular season and the club are almost certain to lose money. Yeah, 60 million. So they're going to post big, losses big of loss. 60 million. Yeah. And in the past, they would have been able to rectify that by selling players. Well, sometimes they chose to rectify by selling players. Mm. Um, when, the, when, the, when money was tight, it was a strategy that Arsenal um, 
questionably used. No one was ever quite sure whether the players were agitating or mm. or he was choosing, were we? No. Or we, then if you go back over at 11, you know, 12, 13, 14, whatever it was. A lot of players um, left. He used it, I think, to sort of keep the pee under the pod of where's the money and what's my strategy and pull me mm. a little bit um, while keeping the money in the bank and waiting for a rainy day a bit. But... Um, I mean, in, in so yeah, no. I mean, who have we got to sell? I think we had a discussion last night. Is who could we sell? You know, that's transformational. We had a little discussion earlier on. Can we do it? Do we have a Coutinho or a Suarez for 146 million or whatever it is? Uh, don't think so. So and and you know when you when you have a, a club that has 400 of million quid a year coming through the front door anyway, you need something of that magnitude, a real massive transformation. You know, selling bail for the Spuds and. So is it, this is a legacy, effectively, of two things. Number one, the obvious failure to take any Champions League income for two seasons. And number two, yes. a mismanagement yeah. of the squad. Well, uh, the, numbers, uh, the, the numbers are driven by the, by the fact that we're out of the Champions League and yet we've kept spending, or we spent, as if we were still in the Champions League in terms of wages and... Arson had one big roll of the dice. Let's remember, you know, he, he sold 140 million quid's worth of players and he bought 160 million quid's worth of players. Two of them, you know, um, Lacazette and Aubameyang were, were, you know, 120 of that. So there was, there was like big dice being thrown. Sanchez, Giroud, Walker all out the door. God, Coquelin... Chesney Oxlade-Chamberlain you can barely remember days, so he just went mad you know from, from seasons where we had one outfield signing check 2015 when we had yeah. all the money in the bank and miserably failed to beat Leicester in, to, the te- to the title he then went oh sod it let's get like let's throw the, half the, the entire squad out the window and bring some new ones in and see if we can make fourth and Okay, and it all went a little bit crazy last year, but 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 and obviously the money was invested in a, in a new way in that it was concentrated, particularly wages and, and fees, in some big names on big money. Aubameyang, Mkhitaryan came on big money. Lacazette was on is on big money. Ozil obviously there was that the contract renewal. Wasn't Mkhitaryan Huge. part of the? Sanchez, wasn't there? It was a swap. It was a swap, but we had to give him a pay rise yeah. because yeah. his Rianola or whoever his super agent was says, hold on, mm-hmm. my man deserves a pay rise because he is leaving Jose and coming to you lowly scum mm. in, um, yeah. in Jose is lowly scum. And those... Th- yeah. th- th- well, <laughs> just to clarify... to do with the question, <laughs> the the Well, all right, it's, it's still relevant. We'll get on to that. Um, in those losses, we do have to include the payoff to Arsenal and his staff. That is within that. No, year. the losses are last year. That that's last year. We've, so that's in last year's last figures. Last year's big profit of, of seventy million quid, which came about because okay. yeah, the players we sold were so held at low value. That is included before the end of May. That yes. payoff, right? Yes, we we set the money aside. The fiscal cash would have gone out this year after May. Mm. Some of what came out of the but on the big books. headline hundreds of millions. Do you think part of the reason Arsenal hasn't taken a job is because there is... Because he's getting paid an enormous amount of money by Arsenal. Yes, so if he did take a job, he might sacrifice some of that. Possibly, I don't know the terms of his his settlement. But it's not really probably in a rush, is he? 
No. He doesn't need a bob. He had, what did he earn out of us? 150, probably. Yeah. Plus, there's all his other money that he earned. I mean, he could live happily on, on, or on. Or wherever he wanted. It was very briefly linked with Bayern, obviously, and uh, for the January window. But He's made so much money out of us. How realistic that was. Yeah. I can tell you, I know people who know people. His reputation in, in Bayern isn't particularly high. Shall I just no, put it that way? Like I'm, I'm not <laughs> suggesting that I bought that for a minute. But right. it seem worth no, so, for the trust. To the trust. trust. Yes, so the trust. trust. So, yes, we can still do our financial piece. And um, in terms of um, you know, basically the things that we're going to, to give, a, the, the, we're still aiming to um, try and keep um, the board honest is the, I think the, the politest way of describing it in terms of the way that they are um, managing the club um, but are the board actually involved apart from signing off uh, well, major yeah. appointments now, 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 now you all need to tune in to Akil and um, who some of you may or may not know is on the Arsenal Sports Trust board and was at the fans forum at the weekend which many of you might have picked up was attended surprisingly and unannounced in advance by Josh Cronkey. Jonathan Houseman has tweeted, in your opinion, what motive did Josh Cronkey have for speaking to the fans? Uh, I wasn't there, so I don't know what his motivation the, the, the read might have been. I mean, for probably to heal bridges. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, a, there's an element of fresh start. Um, Vino and Rule are there. Ivan's gone. Hurrah. And, um, and I don't mean that being on public record. I'm quite happy to say that I'm <laughs> delighted the man has gone, taken his 23 million, and he can go and ruin another club. And um, let's get back on topic. Uh, yeah, so you know, Vinny and Rule are the new you know, double act. And Josh came along as he's meant to be um, taking a bigger role in managing um, the sports enterprises, as it were. Um, he, he was quite apparently, you know. The headlines were he was very open and upfront, very clear. Said, you know, basically we're here to win trophies and have success. And it's about silver and success uh, within the within uh, and keeping the Arsenal Arsenal values together. Unfortunately, there wasn't a chance to then drill him and say, "Hey, what are these Arsenal values?" There is going to be a fans event at the end of the year in June. He might be there for that. That would be a great opportunity to get him to talk a little bit more about his understanding of what Arsenal's values are. You know, what, what is it to be an Arsenal man, an Arsenal fan? An Arsenal, you know, what, is, what is it about what we see as our identity? Um, he was answered questions on, on money, saying that they're not going to take any dividends and fees out of the club. So the money isn't needed for them to do that. Well, yeah, that's what I would have said. I've probably been shown out the door. Um, <laughs> and um, and no, so it was a good first step. And yeah, you know, it, it was a obviously surprise bit of engagement. He was over for the Man United game, probably meet the Glazers or something. Sure, yeah. Get some tips. Well, there, get some tips. <laughs> there is heroes, aren't they? Stands heroes. Hey, why are you guys giving these glazer guys such a bad run? They're amazing orders. I mean, I'd be fascinated to to hear whether just then or or at a later stage in the sure. summer or whatever, how convincing he actually was, because there there, there was an interview in the Telegraph um, a couple of months ago, which really was the most laughable 
puff piece. What, uh, Josh? With, with Josh Grunko really? talking, talking about ambition, the ultimate ambition being to win the Champions sure. League and all sorts of very fairy nonsense about right. sort of ex, um, exchanging sort of inf, uh, info and philosophies with, no, with NFL, no, 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 which were almost insulting to your average fan. So maybe, right. maybe he would come across more convincingly in person. He did. I, I mean, I, yeah, Akko's no one's fault. Is he? You know, no, no. I mean, it was, it was, you know, he said it's a good first step, was the way he described it. Um, you know, they want to try and do more work. Fans Forum is a very rubbish format. It's got like 20 representatives of all kinds of, of types of fan, overseas um, groups, you know, social economic groups, membership groups membership societies mm. um, it's not they're not democratic it doesn't seem to be democratic well, the, many club, them, the club decides many, yeah, many of them don't report to a membership yeah. they don't feed yeah. back to people exactly. and say hey what are your questions what are your issues yeah. this is what we're saying unlike trusts say like Liverpool where they have elections and you know well I, I actually applied to be the stuff. gold member representative yeah. for this uh, next season yeah. or it's three years I can't remember but uh, it's the club who select right. who goes on and whoever makes the decision saw my name and decided right. we don't want that troublemaker in the building. <laughs> we don't like his sort and um, we don't need him either. No, and before that we had a, we had a face-up with uh, Vinay and Rule, um, gosh, I can't remember when, Christmas time I think, between as many of the AST boarders could get there, uh, those two guys, Ganella and Mark... And um, Mark Brindle, and 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 you know it was a clear the air session because obviously relations have got quite poor between um, certain members of the board who had not much hair and a lot of money, and um, the trust, and um, and it was like because you were calling him out, because uh, we were calling him out a snake or something, yeah, <laughs> and. and um, Holding into account for his words into Bayern Munich 2013, <laughs> yeah, uh, whatever. Uh, but they said like, yes, let's have a fresh start. We want to engage, um, but let's be clear. You know, we're not going to invite you to have comments on our corporate structure and the way we run our business corporately. We're now a private company, and um, you can ask us about finances and stuff like that. Fine, when you see the accounts like everyone else does, we'll be happy to engage or at least consider your questions. But we are obviously very keen to see ways in which we can engage with fans to make things better for the for the fans and for the team. And obviously the easy ones in here as old chestnut and favourites of mine, stadium atmosphere. I said to Rule, I said, Rule, you know, what would you pay for a red hot atmosphere, aka Manu, Chelsea, Spurs, that uh, Carragher and never want to bottle for us? You know, it's got to be worth two twenty, thirty million pound players coming on the pitch. Yeah, it's got to be. Why do we have these arguments and debates about piddly little amounts of money for six hundred people to be set up as a hardcore? To, to yeah, we all know what's needed to get an atmosphere going. It's five or six hundred guys. That's all it is. Palace have shown the way either end. Yeah, that's peanuts in terms of the impact it can have on the team. Everyone agrees it has a huge impact on the team. Players, managers, finger. <laughs> it means work for the box office and yeah, they well, don't want to know about that. Well, that's it. But that's why you go to rule, someone like a rule, as opposed to a gazidis, yeah. right? And you say rule, yeah, and you want, you want points make prizes 
yeah. sort this shit out yes. and slap the box off this, get down with the fans groups, just do some proper stuff together right. and create some small working groups. And I think, I've led to believe that that's, there may hopefully be some movements on that. Hallelujah. I approached the club with Mark Brindle as a member of Red Action many years ago yeah. to try and get another red section established, I think it was in Block 19. Yeah. And Ivan Warsell attended the meeting yeah. and it was made pretty clear. <laughs> <laughs> this involves work for my people. Ivan it's says, not going to happen. So if you want anything done at that club, get rid of that so, guy. So, no, so the, the nutshell is, 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 is um, I think now is a great time for fans to get organised and to try and build on the opportunity to have a new relationship and improve things for in the grounds and around um, ticketing and um, and the whole experience. So um, it's very encouraging. I, to no, hear. I know they're trying to join to um, bring in some some new people as well. Um, Partly, it's everyone's suggestion. Um, get some fresh blood involved and, and try and... Become a, a, a campaigning organisation on a different oh, front. I'm not going to say that. They're not going to like that if I say that they're going to get all militant. Well, no, no. Like I said militant. a campaigning organisation on a different front. Yeah, exactly. They're not going to get their time for change banners out, are they, Kev? No, I'll right. give you that. But uh, they can be proactive in different ways. They can. Um, and um, so, and they retain a very powerful voice. Absolutely. Um, now, the Champions League money. If Arsenal did not make it at the end of this season, how critical would that be? Well, it's a club that has a Champions League wage bill, two hundred and thirty odd million quid, but it will go down. But Europa League income and um, Europa League income we know means somewhere around 380 odd million of, of revenue as opposed to having 420 odd million of revenue. And that 40 million quid um, buys you quite a lot of firepower in terms of wages. Um, so and, we, we just, it, the summer could look very different. Yeah, I mean, if we, if we, I mean, there are, there are, although it's very bleak at the moment, and we're looking at this sixty million pound loss as it as it faces up, there are, you know, there is the new commercial deals which were agreed on the back of all that frantic activity last January, when Abamying, Mkhitaryan, and came in and those all signed up, and we got the new Nike and uh, sorry Adidas and uh, Emirates deals, which are adding a good forty forty five million a year straight to the bottom line from next season. So that will come in and that obviously takes an enormous chunk out of that 60 million running loss. Mm-hmm. Of course, if you get in the Champions League again, the money's gone up since we came out of it. Uh, it cost us probably somewhere around 30 million being out of it. We would pick up at least 40, 45 million by being in it as long as you get out of the group because the new money, um, that there's a new Champions League deal that's just hitting this year it's going to mean a lot more money for teams like United and, um, and you know, the, the big names because they're literally paying out on what they call a coefficient, which how successful you've been in Europe. So Arsenal, for example, will get 25 million euros as a new fixed, just being there payment. 
Sorry. Just a, a, a standalone payment before they get their normal. Yeah, before you get your big participation. And who, 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 who makes the most money on that register? Uh, well, it's got to be real on Barca, isn't and it? And how much would they get? Uh, they get about thirty-five or something. Like okay, that. so Arsenal Swiss, are... no, Swiss Realm. Name check Swiss Realm and his amazing blog from September on Champions League. The new right. So if Arsenal wouldn't lose significantly in, t- in comparison with the big clubs on that level. After that, it is about number one where they finish in the league in their domestic league yeah, to qualify and how, into and how far they actually get go into the competition, which is why um, you know um, Liverpool have done very well lately. Right. Okay. So yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's transformational. It, it, but we've got to do it, really, haven't we? I mean, if we don't do it, it's bleak. No, I would say it's bleak. It's it's you know, last summer we spent sixty million quid. Um, we got um, we got a we got a Lino a Torreira a Guendouzi Socrates and a Socrates I'm not going to mention the other one that came for free he was free and <laughs> you know that's 60 million quid we should have probably that sort of amount of money even if we don't get in the Champions League mm. this year it, it's, 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 it's a little bit driven by because whenever you buy players, it's always phased out over the future. It's phased over three or four years. You know, you're on the never-never. And we've always got a nice bit of credit there that we have to pay. And we've got a rising income stream from our commercials. So they could probably spend a similar sort of amount of money. You know, you could, the question is, what do we need? I was asking you earlier. I said, well, is, do we need a goalkeeper? Because, like, checks retiring. Do we need a striker to replace a well-back? We need a left-back. Um, you know, 60 million quid. Um, you could do something as well. It's not. It's not. It's not going to be going and signing a Banner Yangs and Lacazette. Yeah, the star signings are over. For We're back while. to sort of arson, arson style, <laughs> arson style spending. And, and meantime, we will have to sit there and watch the eye-watering amounts of money that Man United can hose up the wall mm-hmm. and leave on their bench, mm-hmm. like Sanchez at four hundred. Yeah. And yet we are ahead of United in the table. Which... Exactly, and, and so money doesn't necessarily buy you success. I think we all know that and accept that. We've seen that with Liverpool and Spurs' outperformance. It might not win you a championship in the case of Spurs or even a cup. Well, Liverpool, they are now you know, challenging. They uh, are. Albeit having taken a slip recently. Um, and done it with big money. And City have big money, so there is big. The, the big money is million, up there. Seventy-five million Van Dyke basically would, transformed Liverpool. Yeah, City. yeah, but I would say there's a, there's a gap between City, Liverpool, and and the rest. Yes, now. but at the moment there is. At the moment, no, financially is a big one. No, not financially there isn't a big gap between Liverpool and, and the other teams. Oh, yeah, the yeah. But, but well, yeah, but I mean the, the money that City have spent. I mean, the, you know, the star quality players. Well, actually, United don't spend a lot less than City. No, oh, and, and yeah, well, you know, they've spent money. They've got Pogba. They've got you know, they've got big names. They've got uh, 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 a decent squad, Man United. They've got a very good squad now. And and since Solskjaer's been their best signing, I mean, he you know he's he's. You know, barring us beating them, um, they're, they're, they're you know they're in heaven at the moment, aren't they? I mean, they've been on a right old bounce, and I mean that comeback against Paris Saint Germain. Well, there were small margins. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. could have easily lost, been knocked out of Europe, and also they could easily have beaten Arsenal. You know, it just yeah. the way it went. Could have lost to Southampton. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I think our uh, the 
the funds we apparently have available to spare are probably a particular concern with our ageing and patched up defence. Well, hang on, hang on. Let, what let's, a, let's what, play what devil's advocate. Rob Holding will hopefully return mm. for next yeah. season. Chambers comes back from low. I think putting uh, faith in, in Mavropanos is it's very much an open well, question no, at this no. stage. Let's so. forget him. Koscielny, okay. I think we can get a decent year out oh, of. Oh, yeah, you're going to get another year based on what that guy was saying. Socrates... Is, oh, has his limitations, he's 30. He's but a, he, he can definitely give us another year or two. Absolutely, but we need four really decent central defenders to have an acceptable squad to compete. Need well, okay. first, we? That's it. Well, I mean, do we think? I mean, do we think Monreal will be given extension? He's been. He seems to. A little bit lightweight. He's, he has good games and bad games. Yeah, he's not going to be. He's not going to be your starting left back. You wouldn't want. I would happily give him a, a year extension without all that. So. But and you play him first. Would you? Choice. Would you make him first choice, or would yes, you? Take... Certainly, in in say the kind of setup we had on Sunday on, on the left side of a back three yeah. in a back four, it very much depends. Yeah. Maybe Socrates yeah. and Kosciani is our is our clear. Mm. Um, so playing as a third centre back, so, I mean, might, and, and yeah, Kolasinac is going to be great going forward, but isn't he's not a defender. defender. Mm. So it maybe depends on the individual game. Mm. But I mean, the the, the experience and, and uh, the consistency, uh, well, that that he generally brings to the squad is something. He got destroyed against Rennes, didn't they? Well, because we were too narrow mm. in front of a defence, the fullbacks he, was just it, completely exposed. Mm. That yeah, that side for us was. A, was a particular mess against them. Yeah. Tactically, we got... I mean, obviously, we're down to 10 men. But with those 10 men, we just... Emery got it completely the wrong. Had done, that's you know, I mean, the fact that he kept Mkhitaryan as his right back rather than bring on Maitland-Niles is one... Saving Maitland-Niles for his great well, performance so on Sunday. So it seemed a strange decision. Um, let's talk about Spurs' new stadium. <laughs> because <laughs> I have news. Oh, news! They on. will be playing in it before the end of this season. Ooh, yes. They have a, their test final test game. I believe yeah. will be at the end of March. A yeah, legends game. It'll be a legends, legends game, and I believe they should be open for business for their quarter final um, Champions League game. Yeah, and probably two or three Premier League games. Um, which my my interest in this is simple. Is it going to hamper them financially, given the amount of money in the game now? Uh, well, you see, the million-dollar question here is how much is it costing the club to fund that stadium? This brings me back to my favourite little pet topic and one of those big myths that I want to firmly fucking squash... Arsenal are still playing for that bloody stadium. Every year, 20 million quid goes out the door before we even start a game. That could be paid off by the Cronkies, should they so desire. Yes. To say it's a self-sustaining model and a level playing field is bullshit, because compared to all our competitors, we have to write a cheque for 20 million quid a year for interest and debt repayments that no one else has to do. Because Liverpool's owners funded their stadium, Man City's owners funded their stadium, Chelsea's owners obviously have funded their stadium. Man United, yeah, it's gone it's in the distant, distant, distant past. Spurs, question mark, who's funding that stadium? Is it going to be a load of debt money that they have to repay like Arsenal? 
or as someone funded it through um, equity, uh, i.e. Lewis, John Lewis. So we do not know that information? No, I, I don't. I mean, I, I might Will be Will it be ever become public? Well, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it would, I think, yeah, it would do, would it? They, when they file their accounts. Um, I, don't, I don't... I mean, I might just be missing something. Um, Swiss Ramble's listening. He can write something about it, please. Because uh, I, I haven't picked up on, on, on what financial structure... I mean, let's put it this way. And I haven't heard any gossip from those in the city who stand on the Arsenal Supporters Trust Bird, <coughs> Nigel, um, about what uh, funding package is in place. Um, well, it's very discreet. Yeah, so... But would, would... I'm assuming they'd be pretty reliant on getting into the Champions League on a regular basis. Well, yeah, Arsenal Stadium finances were put together on the basis, wasn't it, that they said that we have Champions League football every... Two out of three years. Two out of three, yeah. Mm. And um, I think it's pretty bold when there are six into four. Now, the game, the Arsenal Wenger trophy is far more intense competition Mm. now than it was. It it makes it a more interesting league. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be honest, Everton popped in there once um, and then disappeared in a a blaze of flame. Uh, It's now a much harder thing. So to build a stadium and say, hey, I'm going to fund it, you know, it's a bold person. You probably have to say we're in it one year in three. Whilst on the subject of Tottenham Hotspurs, um, mm. it's occurred to me looking at the running, they've got a couple of difficult games. Man City and Liverpool away. That's yeah. right. Uh, we've got Wolves away. Uh, we do. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've got but banana skins, but they've got like, you know, almost dead... Uh, well, unless they... Well, you never know. Them. No, first. you never know. You never know. They've done before. City before. They've yeah. done Liverpool yeah. as well. No, I mean, they could do, but it's... I mean, on paper, it, it's not looking impossible that they could even not make top four. Yeah, well, it's tight. Been up there the whole it's time. definitely tight. They've also um, got I the know Champions that, I mean, League. I spoke to their fans, and they, you know, uh, yes, I do speak to Tottenham fans sometimes, and they're, they're getting squeaky bums. Really? Oh yeah. I think Spurs' issue really is is it's not so much partially about the stadium finance, obviously, but I, I can't conceive that it's going to be a huge burden, right? Not not in the context of of of, of, of the numbers that are available. You have to remember, they are at a very low salary base yes. compared to everyone else. They are paying people phenomenally less than we are. Our wage was 230. I'm not sure what theirs is. It's about 150, 150 160, mm. something like that. It's a, like a third less, okay? Mm. So they've got the, the scope in there, as, as we spent last night, they're doing, you know, their academy has, and their development that consistently put players into that first team and they still are, as a model, their risk is quite simply losing Kane and Eriksen probably to Madrid. You know, Zidane's reappearance well, at Madrid. Son, he's, he's like, yeah, I maybe mean, him as well. Someone, someone in Germany might fancy him. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there, there are a number of poachable himself. players there who, who, given it three or four years... If someone comes along and says, "Hey, you want to win? You want to win some win something?" Well, if they don't qualify for Europe this year, I'd and say they don't qualify for Europe. Some canes and well, the other thing, the, the, the way the club may look at it is, so they've got risks. If we can get, for sake of argument, you know, three hundred million for three players, we can pay a massive chunk of that stadium off in one go. You know, replace them for a third of the money, 
and just try and go again. You know, Good, whether yeah. or not they can get another Pochettino if he leaves is another. Well, that's another one. Pochettino. Question. You have to remember as well. Yeah, assuming there is going to be some level of debt financing that has to be read, paid. You know, one of the great things about that with Arsenal was is that obviously the guys that lend you the money write covenants into the loans that they give you that stop you doing that. Right. They say that if you spend X hundred million, if you sell X hundred million of players, you have to actually reinvest it in. In some players, right? Okay. Um, to some extent, because they like their interest, basically. Because, because <laughs> well, they, no, they're lending you money for twenty years, and they don't want you dropping off a cliff and doing a Portsmouth or a Leeds. Oh, you know? I see. They, okay. uh, I know I'm not the compare, but do you think this is a compare really question? Mm. Do you think we will be celebrating Saint Totteringham's Day this year? It's come back into play after Sunday. Mm. I think. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to go any. It's ours so. to give away. Effectively, yeah. given the running, I'm still so jaundiced by those years with Arsenal of us throwing it away that I just see us throwing it away. Mm. But that's just me being gloomy. Sorry. Okay. It was just the last two we played. It would be nice to welcome it back, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. All the sweets are on the last day. Maybe. Oh, yeah. God. Right, anyway, I think we are going to have to wrap it up because we've been going for 65 minutes. So um, there are other things to discuss, but we uh, we like to try and cap it at just over an hour. So I will get on to in-house matters and the next issue of the Guna is scheduled for the Newcastle home game on 1st April. Will it be the last ever edition? No. That, that depends on our campaign to secure 1,000 advanced subscribers by the end of next weekend. No, not next weekend, the weekend after next, which is the 23rd, 24th of March. We did make it last year, and all existing subscribers who have not yet renewed can expect an email by the end of this week reminding them of the deadline to commit for next season. Well, when is the deadline? Uh, well, basically when the last issue goes to press. So, uh, so weekend after this one. So, go ahead, 10 days, 11 days. Uh, so, we, what do we do? Do we go to... Well, I mean, you've just, uh, it's, uh, all details are on a lot of our tweets. They're obviously on the website itself, and the Schoonish store on the website has details. But we will be plugging this plenty on social media and other supportive channels. And, as I say, the people who have already subscribed for the current season will be getting reminders. And hopefully have enjoyed themselves enough this season to sign up for more. Hopefully we will be around next season to continue giving you a healthy 68 page dose of fan opinion ex-player interviews and nostalgia and as ever you can contact us regarding us with anything to do with this podcast via twitter at guna podcast email guna podcast at gmail.com many thanks for the questions which were submitted today with that it is goodbye from mustafa goodbye saul thank you kev it's been a pleasure and simon good evening and just to inform everybody that there will not be a podcast in April as your host will be away for a fortnight over the Easter holidays. Anywhere nice? Um, Nigeria, as it goes. Oh. <laughs> it's also blimey. Uh, Finding the next Alex Awobi. That is with <laughs> visiting the other house family. Um, so uh, I've been told about the delights of Lagos and uh, oh, it's going to be an experience. Blimey. Indeed. <laughs> I will be stuck in traffic most of the time. Uh, we will be back with an end-of-season podcast in May. Until then, this is your host, Kevin Witcher, saying goodbye and thank you for listening. 
La-di-da-di-da, la-di-da-di-dee. All good friends and jolly good company. Well, hey!